Welcome to the Grace at a Glance podcast from Grace Church of Lidditz and Grace Creative. We are a Jesus church where the gospel is central, where we love Jesus, build people, and lead revival. Thanks for joining us. to the Grace at a Glance podcast. So glad you're joining us. My name is Justin. I'm the worship and technical director here at Grace Church. We're so excited to be offering this new way to experience grace. This podcast will be a place for you to listen to our most recent sermon, stay up to date on the goings on here at Grace, and have some guests on uh, in the near future. This week's sermon comes from Pastor Mike out of the Adore series. His message is titled, Love That Goes Beyond. Grace Church. Good to see you guys. Welcome. If you're visiting, welcome. So good to to worship with you guys. We're starting a new series this morning. My name is Mike. Um, For those of you who know me already, for those who who don't, I'm one of the pastors, and we're starting a new series called Adore. And we're talking about the way that God sees us with lavish compassion, with boundless affection. We're talking about how deeply the Father adores us as his adopted sons and daughters. Like a tender-hearted daddy whose infant falls asleep in his arms, he adores us and longs for us to adore him back. His desire is that we would have a passionate love relationship with him. And in this series, we are going to take a step forward in loving him more deeply with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's what the Adore series is about. When my kids were younger, we used to vacation for Thanksgiving and Christmas when the kids were on break. And we would drive to Illinois or Florida, and we would all pack into the minivan, and we would go and just spend a week resting, getting away, where my parents uh, lived, just stay with relatives. Some of you guys do something like that over the holidays as well. And so this one particular year, about five years ago, there was a huge snowstorm right over Thanksgiving break. And the snow started about a day and a half before the day that we were supposed to leave, and it just kept going and going and going. And when we were, the night before we were supposed to hit the road, I got on my little lawn tractor with a plow again, and I plowed out the driveway, and then I got up again, and I I did it again, and the next morning I got up early, and I did it again, and then we're about to leave, and I run inside, get off the tractor, run inside, and I say, Diana, we have to go right now, or I'm going to have to plow it again just to get out of the driveway. It was that bad. True story. And so we got in the van and we, we pulled out and I remember just kind of bursting through the snow at the end of my driveway to get onto the road that had not been plowed in a day and a half. It was very deep. And it was a struggle just to get out of the neighborhood. And we made it onto the, the main roads and we made our way to the highway. And as we started going up the entrance ramp onto the highway, I started to lose traction and I started to slide slowly over onto the shoulder. 
And as I slid, I, I, I stopped hitting the gas because I wasn't going forward as much as I was going to the side. And there we were sitting on the shoulder of the entrance ramp, stuck. And I was born and raised in northern Illinois, so I have a little bit of practice with snow, and you guys do too here in Pennsylvania. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to go backward and forward, backward and forward, just try to get myself moving. And I was moving a little bit. I was going forward, but it was slow. And I wasn't moving forward as much as I was moving sideways, and that's bad. And so I stopped moving forward slowly, and I thought to myself, what am I going to do? And then I remembered my old northern Illinois snow days, and I thought, well, I'm going to find something to dig a path in front of each tire. So I went in the back of the van, and I came prepared, and I found something that I could use to dig out each tire that would get me back onto the road of the entrance ramp and off the shoulder and finally onto the highway where we could start moving again toward the wonderful destination that our vacation was supposed to be. And we started surging forward again and we made it and we had a great time. But we almost didn't make it because we got stuck on that entrance ramp. And church, we can sometimes get stuck in our spiritual lives too, where we end up spending lots of energy doing things, but we're only moving forward slowly because a lot of our energy is causing us to go sideways. And a wonderful destination of maturity awaits, but we're moving so slowly forward that we're not really moving into all that God has for us. If we would get in the fast lane once again and start surging forward in our spiritual life, sometimes we get stuck. And if we're honest, I think some of us have been on the shoulder spiritually for a little while, maybe a long while. And we're still moving forward, but it's just very, very slow. And we're stuck. And this happens sometimes without even realizing it. You know, we're not always moving backward in our spiritual life. Sometimes we can actually get stuck in place where we stay in a place where we're still doing a lot of the stuff, but we're really not growing at the pace that we could be. And sometimes we settle for a life of slow growth, but I believe that in 2022, God wants to get us unstuck and get us back in the fast lane, surging forward in our spiritual lives once again toward maturity. There's a book called The Critical Journey, and it is by authors Hagberg and Gulick. And it's a fantastic book where the authors outline various stages of spiritual development. But it's also not an easy read. And so it's not a super popular book because it's a lot to take in. They're not real easy to read authors. But the way that they outline the spiritual journey is helpful because it gives a framework for various stages in spiritual development. And the early stages of spiritual development are characterized primarily by learning and doing. Learning and doing. The first stage of being a Christian is primarily characterized by gaining more information about the faith. 
is learning more theology, learning more about the Bible, learning more about God. It's, it's more cognitive. And, and then we move into a stage where it, it's more busyness for God. And we're still learning, and we're still hungry for information, but we're starting to do stuff. And we're starting to serve, and we're starting to get involved. And, and in, this, in this season, this earlier season of the spiritual journey, life is characterized it can be summed up, the, the spiritual life can be summed up as life for God, life for God. And we, we think things like, I want to be found busy when Jesus comes, and, and I want to learn as much as I possibly can about the Bible. And faithfulness in this season is measured by how much we learn and how well we do. And we, in this season of the spiritual journey, we strive to obey God. And that's not a bad thing. This is a valid season in the spiritual journey, but it's not the most mature season. Because as the authors outline, as a person moves into more mature stages of spiritual development, life becomes less about learning and doing, and it becomes more about loving. It becomes more about being with God and enjoying His presence. It becomes about resting in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and loving Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving other people from the heart. And this season in the spiritual life can be summed up in three words as well. It's not life for God, but it's life with God. And obeying God is no less important. In fact, it becomes more important. But it's no longer a struggle to obey. We're no longer striving in the Christian life to, to avoid sin. Instead, we actually find greater victory over sin because it comes from the inside out of a heart that's so in love with Jesus. And he's so much more important to us than he was over here that we no longer want to disobey. And it's not that our lives are perfect or that our track record is perfect in the mature stages of spiritual development, but it becomes more victorious because it comes from the inside. It's more real to our, our whole person, not just what we're trying to do to obey. And in this stage, it's more about being and less about doing. And a large portion of their book is actually devoted to talking about how people get stuck in various stages of spiritual development. In fact, they did this broad survey across the Western church, and they found that 80% of Christians are stuck in the earlier stages of spiritual development. And many, many people get stuck in the stages of life for God. And if we're not careful, we can believe that decades of being a Christian automatically means that we will move on to maturity when it's just not the case because sometimes we get stuck. But this year, I believe God wants to get us unstuck and help us to move on, to take a step, a fresh step forward into the fast lane of spiritual development. Because it's possible to know a lot about the Bible for a long time and never truly mature because we stop growing in his love. Because the gospel is a gospel of love. Is it a gospel of truth? Absolutely. They're like two wings to an airplane. But we, it's so much easier to grab a hold of truth. Love is more difficult because it requires vulnerability. 
So the goal of the Adore series is that we would take a fresh step towards spiritual maturity. And whether we've been a believer for 80 years or you're not sure you are one yet or somewhere in between, the goal of this series is to step deeper into a relationship with the God who is love. To begin to see how extravagantly he loves us and to more deeply love him back with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's how we get off of the shoulder and back into the fast lane in our spiritual lives. So we're going to open the Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. And Paul writes this to the Ephesian church. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God." Paul starts by saying, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. For what reason? A a quick read through the passage makes us think that he's about to give us the reason, but really he's referring to a reason he already said earlier in his letter. It's important to know what that reason is. What's Paul praying this prayer for? Why? See, the reason that Paul is referring to is found back in chapter 2, verse 22, which says, In him you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. See, Paul just finished talking about the body of Christ, both Jews and Gentiles, being built up to maturity together. Both those who are God's people, Israel, and those who have been adopted into the faith, into the family of God through faith in Christ. So together, being built up in the faith, moving on to maturity. And so he finished this section in chapter 2 by talking about the spiritual growth of the church. And what Paul writes in the passage we're looking at is for the purpose of that spiritual growth. That's the context here, spiritual growth. He's saying, because God wants to grow you together spiritually, I'm praying something very specific. And in verse 16, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's using a lot of words to talk about their spiritual growth and vitality. Paul's saying, Ephesian church, God wants you unstuck, surging forward in your spiritual development. The Passion Translation says, and I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being, with his divine might and explosive power, 
Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you. Paul prays that the Ephesians would be alive spiritually and grow on to maturity. And in verse 17, he continues, he says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in faith. See, God's love is the soil that the Christian life takes root in. His love is the source of the nutrients needed for spiritual growth. The New Living Translation says this verse this way, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. The Passion Translation says the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Because a love relationship is what nurtures our spiritual growth. A love relationship is what nurtures our spiritual growth. And Scripture has power because it communicates the heart of God to us. It transforms us because through it, we come face to face with God who is love. See, the Bible doesn't transform apart from the Holy Spirit inside of us. The Spirit uses the Word to transform us. It's always God. It's always the presence of God. And as our roots run deeper into the soil of God's love, we begin to find new freedom to live in victory and obedience according to his word. Because a love relationship is what nurtures our spiritual growth. The English Standard Version renders this verse, being rooted and grounded in love. Grounded here is a word used for laying a foundation that a building will be built on. God's love is the basis for our spiritual development. The gospel is a gospel of love, and it has power not just to bring us from death to life initially, but it has power to move us on to maturity in our spiritual life. The same gospel of love is is what moves us to maturity, and at Grace, we say we're a Jesus church where the gospel is central. This is one of the reasons why I absolutely love following Pastor Tim's leadership is because he's so passionate about Jesus and about the gospel, and about the relationship that we can have with him. And we always come back to the love and the grace of God at Grace Church every day. That's what the gospel is all about. It's about God loving us enough to send Jesus to set us free. And the day that we first said, God, you love me enough to save me? You, you love me enough to send Jesus to die for me and to, to raise from the dead for me, the day that we were moved from death to life, we, we grow deeper through that same gospel, the gospel of love, and knowing more and more deeply how much he loves us because a love relationship is what nurtures our spiritual growth. So Paul blasts through these two metaphors really fast. God's love is like the soil that your life takes root in. It's like the foundation your spiritual maturity is built on. And then he goes on in verse 17 to say, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. See, Paul prays that they would grasp God's magnificent love. And this is a really important word and concept here. 
Because we can easily read this and think, oh yeah, like I grasp it in my mind, like I grasp algebra. But that's not what he's saying at all. Because this word, literally, it actually means to take hold of something and make it my own. There is an element of personal possession here that's very strong. It's far more than just knowing something in your mind. See, Paul prays that they would take hold of God's love for them, that they would own it for themselves. Because we can have a cognitive understanding of God's love, but never really make it ours. And never really see and and believe deeply just how much he loves me. And when we only know something in our heads, it informs our rational decisions. But let's face it, we're not always rational. We're not always rational. In fact, I think that we're probably rational far less than we realize We don't always decide things based on logic. We don't always calculate our responses based on objective reality, especially when we're confronted with a difficult situation or we're tempted to compromise or stress runs high. And let's be honest, stress in the world has been high. I mean, a quick look around tells us that people aren't rational, (laughs) doesn't take much to realize we're not as rational as we think we are. But when I'm deeply convicted in my heart, it drives me. When we're deeply convicted in our hearts, it drives us. And the 18 inches between head and heart make the difference between striving to obey over here and walking in victory because I love Jesus with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Spiritual growth happens when theology moves from head to heart. Spiritual growth happens when theology moves from head to heart. And I think many of us in the room would agree with that. We'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, head to heart. I've heard that before. I agree with that. But let's think about the things we've learned in the past year or two or five. Well, how much of it has moved from my head to my heart? How much of it do I really own and feel convicted of deeply? God wants us to stop striving and to start resting in him and in his love. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, John says, This is love for God, to keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. See, we're invited to obey God out of a heart of love. Because children of God are called not to strive, but to rest. And I don't know about you, but sometimes keeping his commandments feels burdensome, right? Like when you don't feel like it. And let's face it, for many of us, there are certain commandments that are really easy, and it's easy for us to point fingers at people who don't keep those. But then there are other commandments like um, Confront someone when they've hurt you and don't gossip to others. Well, that's a little harder for many of us to keep, isn't it? It's still a commandment. But when we love Jesus deeply and our lives are sourced in his love, then we catch those things because we feel it, because we're like, ooh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to mess up this awesome relationship that me and Jesus have going. 
His love is what moves us from striving to resting. So Paul prays that they would grasp God's magnificent love to take possession of it, to make it their own. When my wife and I lived in Florida, we had two vehicles, and they were both very old, and they were both very beat up. And my wife was driving this old, gold-colored Ford Focus. Now, it was smashed on the driver's side by a driver who hit us in the Walmart parking lot who was uninsured. It was smashed on the passenger side by my pastor, (laughs) who backed into it. So smashed on both sides. And I was looking at these brand new, at the time, 2006 Honda Civics. And it had like a new body style that I thought was really cool. And I remember one day I went to the dealership and I bought a brand new 2006 Honda Civic base model. And I loved it. And that car became a part of my story. I made it my own. I went from just like looking at it and and, and learning stuff about it to making it mine. And it became the vehicle that brought me from where I was to wherever I needed to go. In fact, for 15 years, that car carried me from Florida, where we were at a, a, serving at a church there, to follow God's call to help plant a church in Hanover, Pennsylvania, where we were for 12 years. And then it, it carried us again. Oh, and by the way, when I drove from Florida to Hanover, I towed this catamaran sailboat for 18 hours behind a Honda Civic, and I probably looked like a crazy person. But I did it. Because that was my car. It was mine. And then we, we used the Honda Civic. It drove us from Hanover to follow God's call here to Grace Church where we're certain God has called us to invest our lives here in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. And I drove that car to Orlando and Kentucky to Illinois and Virginia. It's got 177,000 miles on it. It's out in the parking lot right now. I'm still driving it. See, that car isn't just something I know about in my head. It's mine. I own it. It's a part of my story. And it's carried me to where I am today. And the difference between knowing about God's love and owning it for ourselves is pivotal. Because when we grasp, when we take hold of God's love for us, it becomes the vehicle that moves us from where we are spiritually to where God wants us to be. But we have to make it our own. Spiritual growth happens when theology moves from head to heart. And getting unstuck in 2022, beginning to surge forward in our spiritual development begins with taking a hold in a fresh way of God's magnificent love for you. So Paul prays that they would grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. He uses three-dimensional language to refer to the expanse of God's love. The concept of width, length, height, and depth was used to imply infinity. Job uses the same construct in Job 11, 7 through 9. He says, can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They're deeper than the depths below. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. And this this same kind of language was used in other ancient literature, to 
to communicate infinite quantity. So when Paul says how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ for you, he's saying God's love is so vast that words can't convey convey it. The human mind can't comprehend it. No action could contain it. Even the cross of Christ cannot sum up God's passionate, extravagant love for you. Right where you are today. In verse 19, he says, And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is how spiritual maturity happens. This is how we become filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is how our spiritual lives get unstuck, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. This word for know means to know by personal experience. It's not just in your head. See, Mary used this word in Luke chapter 1, verse 34, to refer to sexual intimacy. It doesn't just mean to learn about. It implies a deep, intimate connection, an experiential connection with God's love. The Amplified Bible says it this way, and that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. Because spiritual growth depends on a deepening, on a deep connection with God's love. Knowing about God without experiencing his presence is like claiming to be close personal friends with somebody that I've only stalked on Facebook. You can't be in a close relationship with someone without enjoying being with them. And as believers, we should experience God's love alone and with other people as we gather in community together. Corporate worship is one critical time to experience his love. Ephesians, or Exodus 2, 20, or 2024, <laughs> Exodus 2024, wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and bless you. When we sing to him, he shows up in a special way. Wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and bless you. Worship isn't just about getting his attention or preparing our hearts for a sermon. Worship is an end in itself. It's a moment when we experience him when the presence of his spirit fills the room and we get to enjoy his love together. It's a two-way street. We love on him. He loves on us back. It's a relationship. That's what a relationship is, right? So Paul called the Ephesians to a life of adoration. A life of resting in God's extravagant compassion to love him from the inside because spiritual growth depends on a deep connection with God's love. I'll read one more verse to you and we're going to start wrapping up here. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. See, God's love is rich with passion for you. He rejoices over you. He delights in you. He wants you to get unstuck and begin moving deeper in his love, to get on the fast track of spiritual growth. 
Because God's desire is to be our one thing, our one thing, like the psalmist wrote in Psalm 27, to be the one we long for, the one we wake up thinking about, the one we pursue in our greatest moment of victory and in our darkest valley. He wants our hearts to be captivated by a desire for him that transcends our circumstances or our fears or our personal preferences or our political affiliations. He wants us to wake up in the night with hearts ablaze with love for him, ready to run to him, kneeling in adoration and praise. And this happens only as we grow in an experiential conviction of his love for us. When I was a new believer, I was in the Lord for about a year. And I used to hang out with a handful of, of young adults. I was like 20 years old. And over this one summer, we would stay up till all hours of the night worshiping outside. We'd find some, I grew up in northern Illinois where there were lots of cornfields similar to here, and cows and corn. And we would find some cornfield or a park or whatever, and we would bring a guitar, and we would just worship and sing and pray and read the Bible. And we did this night after night after night. Sometimes we'd stay up till four or five in the morning and then just sleep in. It was summer. We were all on break from college. And one particular night, I remember we were in my friend's convertible, and we pulled up on the side of the road between two cornfields. And my buddy Dave was sitting next to me with his guitar, and he's just strumming his guitar, and we're all just singing. And I got my arms in the air, and we're singing praises to God. It was like 11.30, 12 o'clock. And all of a sudden, we see these blue and red lights kind of around us. And we look behind, and there's a police car pulled up behind us, wondering what the heck we're doing next to a cornfield. And Dave kind of stopped strumming, and I said, Dave, keep going. I'm like, let's just see what happens. So he starts playing again, and we're singing, and I got my hands in the air, and we hear the cops start to walk up, so we stop singing, and he says, you can put your hands down now. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah. Like, it didn't even cross my mind, like, police, hands up. And I said to him, I said, oh, we were just worshiping God. And he's like, worshiping God. <laughs> and he, he finally told us to move somewhere else, and we did. Another time, I remember I was driving down the road, and it was pouring rain, and I was all by myself in the car, and I just felt compelled to pull into this parking lot and get out, and I knelt down on the wet pavement with the rain hitting me in the face, and I just lifted my hands to God and just said, I love you, God. I love you, God. I love you, God. And I was, I was young, and I was immature, and I was so selfish in so many ways, but I was captivated by God's love. I was captivated by the depth of his grace and mercy and compassion for me. And I wonder, Christian, do you remember a time in your life when you too were captivated by the love of God? Maybe it was years or decades ago when the love of God was real and fresh and alive and your relationship was vibrant and you were in the fast lane of spiritual growth. See, it's not just a new believer that can stay in that place, but God wants us to get into that space where we're growing like crazy and loving on him like never before. And, and personalities are different. Your experience won't be the same as mine, and, and I get that. But biblical love for Jesus involves a passionate pursuit to be with him in close relationship, to experience his love 
to adore him, to trust him with my brokenness right where I am today, right where you are today, and to run into his loving arms. Because God's not ashamed of you. He's not disappointed in you. The one who knew the end from the beginning, who planned out every day of your life, he's not disappointed with the choices you made. He knew them before he even created you. And he still chose you. And the way to find victory is not by trying harder. My guess is you've tried that and it's not working. The way to find victory is by being more and more convinced of his love for you right where you are. And so God's inviting us today to get unstuck, to move back into the fast lane of spiritual growth, to make his love yours, and to begin living in deep adoration of him who loves you extravagantly. So let's bow our heads in prayer together. Father, we thank you so much that you call us into a love relationship that is more real than the relationships we have with our own family members, our own friends and people that we love. God, you call us to a relationship where we actually feel something for you because you want us to love you with our hearts and all of us. And God, we just pray that you would open our eyes to how great your love is for us and help us to begin to love you back even more deeply, God, than we do now. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hosting for this podcast has been brought to you by Anchor from Spotify. Our intro and outro song is Creative Mind by Ben Sound. From all of us here at Grace Church, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.